And so, um, yeah, I, you know, it was, it got really toxic at home. Um, so I ended up packing my bags and, uh, took off to Japan on a job there. <laughs> Just I by cannot, yourself? Yeah, by myself, I call my parents from the airport. It's like, yo, I'm going. everyone. Hello, listeners of B-Side. Today, we have Olivia as our guest. Hello, Ooh. hello. <laughs> um, so I won't say much. I'm going to give her the chance to introduce herself. So Olivia, you could just obviously give your name, age, <laughs> occupation, something yep. like how long you've been attending CCPC and... Mm -hmm. Um, how about like where you serve in church? Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, well, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. My name is Olivia Ahn. I'm currently 37 years old. We'll be turning 38 next month. Woo -hoo. Woo -hoo. Uh, yep. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Occupation. So I'm currently a consultant for state government. So I basically my line of work has been in regulatory compliance, making sure, you know, people who are Running these facilities, serving the vulnerable population are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, we're just figuring out ways how I can uh, better partner with them to so that way they can serve the population they are. Um, let's see. Attending CCPC. Wow. I think I've been attending CCPC since 2018. Okay. The end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Okay. I'd have to say. And the ministries that I'm currently serving in, well, Praise Team being one of them <laughs> is the main. And just recently, um, I just uh, stepped into the co-coordinator role for Bridges Ministry. Um, I have the pleasure of working with my co-coordinator, Alex Ham and Pastor Alvi uh, on a more closer uh, level. So, yeah, I've been learning a lot lately. Um, yeah. So, yeah, here I am and uh, ready to just talk about whatever topics we have prepared for yeah, today. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Real quick, did you grow up in Nova or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Could you tell us more about that? Sure. So I grew up in Maryland. So uh, a right. fellow Marylander. I know we have a couple at our church. Um, So grew up in Maryland all the way through high school, went to college in Virginia. My parents, our family moved to Fairfax actually back in 05. Mm -hmm. and we've been here ever since. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You and I have a similarity where we're both not from Nova. Like mm -hmm. we didn't grow up in Nova. So fellow non-Nova person. <laughs> and you know what? I'd say I think we bring a different perspective because, yo, I mean, yeah, a lot of y'all like Nova Korean <laughs> natives, you guys are a different breed. <laughs> so I guess all of us are not from Nova. We're trying to spice it up a little bit, but that's okay. Everyone has to be represented. Yeah, yeah. My first exposure to <laughs> the group of Nova people mm -hmm. was in college. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely some differences, definitely some um, perks for me as someone who grew up with mm -hmm. like a not big Korean American population at all. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so it is definitely different. Mm -hmm. um, at least it was for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So. Um, I don't know if you know, but on our podcast, uh -huh. we do usually ask this like hot take question, right? And okay. so we're going to ask you as well, since you are our guest here today, All right. what is like an unpopular opinion you have? It can be about anything. Mm -hmm. Hmm. This is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the first um, thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, because I think 
I spend a lot of time in the workplace Mm -hmm. and, you know, just it's been ingrained in me where, oh, you know, you shouldn't be bringing your personal life into, you know, being a professional at the workplace, especially if you're going through something. You just have to put on your game face on and you shouldn't really let people know that you have you're going through it. Right. Um, I think it's really naive of us to think that, you know, personal life is definitely going to play a role and a factor as to how we're you know, um, just producing, being productive, how we're interacting with others. I think especially, you know, it's important in the workplace to allow those kind of conversations, especially with the trusted group, whether that's with your direct supervisor or colleagues to just say, hey, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going through a really hard time right now in my personal life, whether that's relational, it could be illness, whatever that is. Um, And I think that it's, really important for you to have that dialogue and feel safe, but also trying to kind of figure out like, you know, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, We can't afford not to work, right? Or at least most of us can't. So, you know, how do you sort of navigate that? And I think, yeah, it's, I think that is quite unpopular and it adds a lot of pressure. Um, And I think that especially if it's an organization where it's so much focused on, you have to constantly produce and you have results that you need to meet. It's, it's um there's no room for that interpersonal relational piece and i think that's so uh so valuable yeah, yeah. the whole how it adds pressure i really mm. agree with that and i think um for those of you who didn't know i'm working towards um being in the mental health field mm. and so i think people in our field have a bit maybe a bit of an av- advantage mm. in that aspect because you know I think we're able to have more grace towards each other when we're not able to show up. And mm-hmm. for people who are providing therapy, sometimes if your personal life is not straight, you can't really provide that help for others. So mm-hmm. that is something that I've noticed and realized during my internship that my supervisors have provided for me is that grace and that room to bring a bit of my personal life into it and still and have that still be okay. So I'm hoping that that does change for the rest of the population in terms of their work field, workforce. So we're actually going to go into something a bit more, um, I don't know, I think it's a bit more fun because I like would you rather questions. Okay. Oh, Because <laughs> it makes me think and it makes me uh-huh. really debate and um, back up, defend my okay. opinion, I guess, but all right, here it is. Okay, let's go. Would for you it. rather date someone uh-huh. where you have to tell them everything, like what to do, but they do do it successfully and willingly, and mm-hmm. they they do it well, mm-hmm. and they do exactly what you tell them to do, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to tell them every single thing. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. would you rather date someone where they absolutely hate being told what to do, any suggestions or anything, but they get it right like 70, 75% of the time. Are they Christian? Let's say both of them are Christian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> I think there's pros and cons to dating both. Yeah, types, let's talk right? it out. Let's talk so, it out. Uh, <laughs> I'm the type of gal, I think just kind of looking back at my dating experience it's um I very much took the lead and I was the one that pursued and I'll just say that I, I I'm I'm a very controlling person 
um, really working hard and just letting that go and just relying on God more. Um, but yeah, that's just been my go-to because I think that um, just knowing that I can control it and tell the person what to do, I sort of anticipate what the expectation, the outcome is going to be. Um, and I think that also stems from past experiences of um, people not meeting those expectations and getting hurt uh, because it was a situation where, let's say, you know, I'm pouring in 100% and it's not being reciprocated. Yeah, your feelings get hurt because, you know, especially if you're the type of person that if you do or if you're intentional about really dating this person and you're investing into this person and if they're not really reciprocating, not that you're doing that for them to reciprocate, but, you know, it's like if it's not, I say, like, balanced or matched it's um yeah it just it's it's not it's not fun yeah but i would say like oh out of the two i rather date the latter okay yeah so the latter as a reminder was they absolutely hate being told what to do yeah isn't good with suggestions that you give but they get it right about 70 to 75 percent of the time yeah that's fine because i'm the, i'm also the same per, same type of person i don't like being told what to do either so you know i think learn the hard way so i don't i don't think i would want to tell that person what to do either and so I we'll see. just kind of be together and figure things out and get get 70 percent of things right together most of the time <laughs> we'll navigate it together we'll be in the same boat how about that all right yeah that sounds good yeah you know, I was thinking about this as yeah. I was like trying to come up with some would you rather question. Uh-huh. And I still haven't come to a conclusion mm. because I, as I've been experiencing like how my dating life, it's like I get that we're not mind readers. Mm-hmm. So I get that I'm going to have to explicitly say certain things that I don't want to be explicitly mm-hmm. saying and I wish they would just get. Yeah. But when I think about having to do that for every little thing, I'm like, mm. oh my gosh. But then on the other hand, I'm like, how is there going to be growth when they don't want to be told what to do ever? Or I mean, it's not even that, just like they're not open to suggestions or like, how is that mm-hmm. conversation going to go? But Anyways, you gave your answer and that's what we were wanting. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I kind of want to dig a little bit more deeper. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think with the latter, though, it's, um, you know, especially just kind of re- if, you know, especially if, if I'm wanting to date this person, I'm obviously going to try to invest more time in really trying to understand why mm-hmm. they don't like being told what to do. Right. And, you know, me being the same way, I can immediately relate to that and identify, you know, with them as to what that's like and why. But I think just to that specifically, it's maybe just kind of catering to that person instead of telling them what to do, just being more like inviting. It's, you know, it's like, let's try this out. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. But like you said, it allows for room for growth. It allows, I think, to really just getting to know one another. Because, you know, we're all like, timing is different in how we grow. And I think that just progress its in itself too. It's, you know, I think hopefully if that person is mutually interested in getting to know me and they're invested, okay, well then have that open dialogue. And it's like, we clearly don't like being told what to do. We don't want to step on each other's toes, but okay, can we at least like talk about and agreeing to like figure s- certain things out? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what I feel like an adult relationship should be like, right? (laughs) I do agree with that. Um, So can I ask you, is this too personal? Go for it. Can I ask you, are you currently dating? I am not. Oh. (laughs) Are you open to it though? Are you? Of course I am. Okay. (laughs) Are you actively looking or are you just, you know, very open? It's just. I would say I'm open. I'm not actively looking, but I'm definitely open. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm going to go into that a little bit, but I've never dated a Christian guy. So it's always been non-Christian men. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, there's a lot that, you know, goes with that, but I think just, you know, even within my journey, um, you know, I mentioned I was a person of being in control, wanting to be in control. Yeah. I just, um, I'm still working on being patient and waiting, you know, like, what that waiting period is like with God and God's timing. Um, Cause I'm so quick to try to, I, I act too quickly. I, that can be a good thing, but it's also just not so great sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, it can be reckless at times, especially when you jump into a relationship that you shouldn't be jumping into and you're caught in a situation where you're emotionally attached to that person. And now you're like, Oh no, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have to break up with them. And that's never easy for the person who's breaking up or the person who's, you know, getting dumped. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's been interesting, but I will say that I think this period in my life where I'm investing more time in getting to know God and just during this time of being single, again, it's, you know, really trying to hear and hear like his message and what he hasn't planned for me but also learning how to be patient and wait (laughs) (laughs) yeah when you mentioned how you you've only dated non-christians were you able to ever get a chance to think about why that might have been oh yeah i think this is just me thinking yeah yeah and you know i i know that like for me i'm not i just found myself as not like the typical like attractive Korean American gal that Mm -hmm. you know my other Korean male counterparts would be attracted to um also I think that you know with my just personality and just me kind of taking charge and being very independent like I've learned that like I don't give men the opportunity to um feel needed in the sense of like wanting to help in a way where they can sort of show that, oh, you know, I'm a reliable person. Like, you know, she, you can actually depend on me. <sighs> yeah, I was not good at that. <laughs> you... I, was a, I was a huge tomboy growing up, not going to lie. Yeah. And I think my family, like upbringing, you know, my parents, you know, obviously first generation immigrants, my brother and I, we learned at a very young age to, you know, work, working at our, you know, family businesses how hard it is to, you know, earn earn a living in this country as an immigrant. So a lot of values were instilled in us at a very young age. And, um, you know, both my parents are working six days a week. So I was pretty much having to raise my younger brother. Um, just being very independent at a young age and especially having a father who is very militar- militaristic mm-hmm. and, you know, talking to me, like six-year version of me, telling me, you know, Olivia, if your mom and I get shot at the store, guess what? Don't rely on your aunties or your uncles. Like you're it. You're responsible for your brother. Oh wow! And you know, for for a, ch- a six year old child to be told that, 
you know, it's, I'm like, what? You guys are going to get shot and you're going to die. Yeah. Um, so that really just shifted like how I needed to carry myself and that I needed to be the strong one in the family to really help out my parents, be there for my brother. And so imagine just growing up with that mindset. And I think, you know, I think a lot of the times, especially when I tried to date someone, it's, I think I attracted a lot of people who were, um, want, like, didn't have that trait in the sense of being decisive, you know, like leading. Um, and yeah, that's just, it's been my track record. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, mm. because the initial question I asked was like, you know, why might that have been that mm. it was, um, you turned out, it turned out that you were dating non-Christians. Can I say maybe it's because those men weren't able to have the ability to kind of know what leading as a man would look like because they're not in the Christian community? Because, you know, mm. as a Christian, you kind of learn like um, being what being a spiritual leader looks like, what being right. a leader as a good older or, you know, good brother in Christ looks right. like and how serving in the church like that could be aspects of leading like yeah i'm not gonna lie i think even though i was i grew up in a very korean presbyterian church like from the age of six all the way up to let's say high school right before going to college i we had a lot of sisters and a lot of women at our church i we didn't have many young male figures who served in ministry mm -hmm. and so you know that wasn't a, a norm growing up so just didn't have access to that didn't really see like you know younger you know even college students who are serving in that capacity was always the sisters um so have been very much surrounded by strong christian women um and then even my father he didn't come to accept christ until you know he went bankrupt <laughs> um and you know he lost everything thank god my mom still held on to the one dry cleaning store and that's when he came back to the house to the family and accepted Christ at the time of need. But even with my dad, he struggled mm -hmm. in his faith. So didn't really have a lot of strong Christian men um, in my life growing up. And I would say, you know, there were times in my life, even in college and post-college, that I definitely went away from God and loved the world more at that time. And so those are the times when, you know, I did date non-Christian men. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's my thing. And then also, yeah, I've been married once. So let's put that out there. That's a disclaimer. So in that period, um, of dating, you know, I did end up, so my dad and I had a big falling out, mm -hmm. right? So it was post-college, you know, that was 2008, the job market ugh, took a big hit. Those of us who graduated, ooh, we had a hard time finding jobs, um, and, you know, my dream was to eventually become like a foreign service officer, work for the State Department. You know, my undergrad was in IR and Asian studies. I see. Yeah. So it didn't work out quite the way I wanted. Um, and then, of course, my dad was like, oh, you know, you should go to law school because all of your cousins are corporate attorneys. Right. And that was almost like a competition that he had with his like second oldest brother. Mm. Um, and so for me, you know, especially as a young child, like I just did not like being told what to do. I had a problem with authority big time. Um, I was that rebellious child, right? And so, um, yeah, I, you know, 
it was it got really toxic at home. Um, so I ended up packing my bags and uh, took off to Japan on a job there. <laughs> Just I by cannot, yourself? Yeah, by myself, I called my parents from the airport. It's like, yo, I'm going. And yeah, that's that, that, that was me. And, you know, that, that was the start of Olivia's life of um, being away from God. Definitely got to experience that part of the world. Um, met some very interesting people. Um, I don't want to say that, you know, I, I regret those decisions because I definitely, there were a lot of sort of lessons, um, you know, that I've taken away from that period of my life. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately when things got really toxic with my parents, that's when I just was looking to run away, mm-hmm. like escape. And I think that was the first time that happened, right? And so came back from Japan you know, try to reconcile with my parents. Ended up going to grad school for education. Um, you know, and ended up with a teaching job and uh, you know, was going to church here and there, but wasn't fully like committed to ministry or anything like that. But um, yeah, ended up meeting the guy that, you know, I was gonna be married to for three years. Um, yeah, and he was a non believer. There were so many red flags during that time. Um, but then that was also another escape. That, you know, even when things got better, my father and I still just, we were not seeing eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, And so, yeah, at that time I made the choice. It's like, oh, I think I really love this guy. He seems to be really nice. And, you know, he seems to really balance me well. And, you know, I met him at a time in my life where I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, I can see myself like building a family with this guy. Um, And, you know, he seemed to be open to going to church here and there. Um, but you know, just looking back, it's, you know, there's a reason why God was trying to signal me, but at that time, you don't know, you don't see it. What would you say were some of those red flags or signals that in hindsight, you were like, oh, okay. Yeah. God was trying to tell me, I just couldn't Mm. see it then. What would you say were some of those things? Um, again, like that, that whole relationship was controlled. Like I controlled it in the sense of that, you know, it's like, this is one thing in my life that I want it to go right for once. Like I want to protect it. I don't want my parents to get in the way of it. Like I, this is coming from me and my decision. Um, and yeah, like just even like leading up to the marriage, you know, my parents were having a huge fallout, like, you know, they're divorced now, but it was a huge fallout. And I got sort of wedged in between the both of them while they're going through that whole situation. Um, and, you know, just even with his parents, they weren't fully accepting of me because I wasn't Caucasian. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that that was the whole situation there. Um, and ultimately, he basically, um, yeah, chose me over his family, which I did not, you know, ask for. I didn't want to get in the way. But ultimately, that's the decision he made. Um, and just, yeah, there are a lot of things that occurred during leading up to the marriage and then during the marriage. Yeah. yeah. And throughout your sharing, you know, I'm hearing the themes of independence and control mm. coming in that you mentioned. Mm. So now though, like what does it look like for you to push away from your desire for independence? I would say, I think because of my insecurities of my past, you know, even when I attended CCPC, um, you know, I had, you know, been officially cut off, tied, you know, 
had the divorce, but I still had that shame of mm-hmm. being, you know, still Korean American and a divorcee and having this past, like, you know, like I'm undesirable. I'm unworthy. Definitely needed, I came so broken when I first attended CCPC and, you know, I got plugged into Praise Team right away because that's the one safest place that I know that would hold me accountable to at least show up to church, right? Um, but just, yeah, that's when my path to healing started. But um, it's just, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So is it safe to say or safe to assume that you kind of found community at CCPC? Yes, community. I think the accountability piece is huge. I think that where I'm at right now, it's because of the insecurities that I've had before. It's I shunned people out mm-hmm. because I didn't want them to know about my past. I didn't want them to know about me because I thought that they would judge me and see me differently than, you know, who they just know of me based off of, you know, just praise team or just what have you. Um, and because of that, yeah, like I was the only one holding myself accountable and that's not enough. You know, God intended us to be in community. And, and, and with that, I, now that I've sort of just let that part of my life go, um, I'm not, I'm meaning letting the insecurities go, letting the shame, the guilt, all that go. It's, my community has shown so much love and grace. And I almost regretted that. Like, why did I ho- keep myself from experiencing this? Like, I so needed that. Um, and so, yeah, now it's, I'm not, I feel like I'm not really missing out on anything. I think this is how God has really intended, you know, us to live and be in community, a loving community, a, supporting, a supportive community where you can be yourself, be open and we're all broken people. Yeah. We course. have we all have a past. Mine just seems to be very scenic, is what Pastor Albert has mentioned. <laughs> it's like, Olivia, you lived you led a very scenic life. Um, yeah, I did. And I think by me sharing sort of like my testimony, I guess, if you will, it's I think at least with some of the folks I've shared my story with, they've expressed, you know, it's it's allowing them to open up more about sort of their internal struggles and their sort of their story pretty much and it's giving them the courage to really speak up which I'm, I feel so honored like you know it's great because I think by sharing your story that's also part of the healing process right yeah and I think um yeah just me being that controlling type of person very stubborn one who's gonna just see it through like yeah, I I know I know my tendencies, and so now that I'm aware, um, I think the difference, the shift has been that if I catch myself wanting to take control of the situation of every aspect of my life, I repent to God. <laughs> it it is a deep conversation with God, where it's like, okay, God, like you know me so well, like I'm having this moment right now, just please keep me grounded, like remind me that ultimately, like. You're, you know me best. You're going to do me good. Um, and everything's in your hands. It's going to work out. Yeah. Amen to that. Everything's <laughs> going to work out, you know, when God is in the picture, when we're repenting. Because sometimes it's not as easy as it sounds, you know, like to yeah. sit there and really make yourself vulnerable to God. It's not as easy as we mm. think it may be at times. Mm. And so as you are 
kind of in this journey of learning how to let go of your control, mm-hmm. you know, um, really seeking community again, mm-hmm. letting go of that um, super strong, independent Olivia. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the proper, like, you know, give and take, the proper relationship for Christians to have between independence and reliance? Whoa, that's a really good question. I think I think definitely independence in the sense that you are you have a choice, right? God has given us choice in in whatever we do. And you know, every small to big choices that we make each day, um I think in the sense of that we get to choose and act it out according to his will, but that needs to also be paired with relying on God, mm-hmm. right? So if we fully rely on God and commit and submit to him, then that confidence that comes from God in order for us to lead an independent life or self-sufficient life as a Christian, meaning we're going to discipline ourselves, we're going to be intentional about how we live our lives, the choices we make, being plugged into a community, maybe serving in ministry, especially those of us who are spending a lot of hours in our in our days at work. That could be our field of ministry. So I think those need to go hand in hand. Like it needs to be paired. But ultimately, the common theme is that all that needs to be stemmed from our relationship with God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So independence and reliance is a partnership where independence kind of looks like the free will we were gifted by God. However, that reliance is just really ultimately um, being on God's side, mm. doing what God is telling us to do, mm. right? That obedience part. Obedience part is huge. And I think especially those of us who are sort of control freaks, <laughs> we have a hard time with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but God will definitely put you in your place. I was so stubborn that it took him uh, breaking me down physically where I caught shingles. I was 250 pounds. I was depressed. And the only position that I could find myself like not in pain was like on my knees and elbows in prayer position. Wow. (laughs) God literally. He broke me down. Broke you down. He broke me down saying, you need to repent. Like I can't allow you to make, you know, continuing to control your life in whichever you think that is the best for you because it's not. Yeah. So like it's time for you to rely on me now. Wow. That, you know, these words are all so powerful. I really (laughs) relate to a lot of them. Um, As our time comes to an end, though, I'd actually like to ask you Mm -hmm. um, one last thing. Mm -hmm. And that is who is someone that has influenced you in your spiritual walk? Ooh, okay. So, you know how I mentioned that I grew up in a very Korean Presbyterian church mm-hmm. from the age of six to high school? So, um, there was, I had a youth pastor that I met in elementary all the way through high school. And um, Pastor uh, Kim, Kim Chung Sung Moksanim now, but at the time he was Kim Chung Sung Chun Busanim. Ah. And uh, he was so patient with me. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So, you know, obviously, because both my parents are working at the store six days a week, anytime we had like Friday service or like youth, like Saturday, like events, he would always show up to my house and give my brother and I rides. 
And at that time, we didn't really have cell phones. So he would show up at the same time. And there were times I must like confess that I didn't want to go. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave the house. And he would wait. And he knew we were in the house. But he would just wait there for like 15 minutes. And, you know, if we didn't come out, he would just, you know, drive away. Yeah. But I would see him the next day at church on Sunday. He's like, Olivia, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I guess you weren't home, but, you know, I'm still going to be coming. And I just want you to know that you're always welcome to come because you're a part of this church community. And, you know, I don't want you to miss out on these events and so or these gather the fellowship gatherings. And, um, yeah, he was just really patient with me growing up and just knowing sort of um, my family situation and, you know, like always praying for us. and. He was just, he just had a way with us, like, in how he approached, how he talked to us is like very much just gentle, was always there. He was like the one church adult figure that we, like all the kids trusted. And wow. he was fun to hang out with too. Um, and, and, you know, it was a very traditional church. So even with, in worship and praise, you know, we, we weren't even allowed to play drums because that was considered worldly music. So he was like our past. It was our youth pastor that actually, um, you know, was we was able to get permission to get the drums and incorporate that in the band, and that was huge at the church. But fast forward, CCPC. I would have to say Pastor Albert. Mm. I think just through praise team, I've really have gone to know him. He's only what two, two, three years older than I am, so I really look up to him as an older brother as well. And you know, probably like he's such a great listener. Um, I just think that, you know, he's been very just, again, patient, kind, generous in the sense of just and genuine also, especially when he's just checking in on you um, and very understanding um, and isn't quick to judge, you know, especially if you've missed several practices and you're not serving on reg- on the regular rotation for praise team because <laughs> you got you, you know you're busy <laughs> uh you know how that goes but um yeah just shout out to pat palby um he's been just uh he's been there like you know when i first attended i was so scared about people finding out about my past that yeah. and having trust issues right like it took me a good year and a half two years to even tell palby my half of my story and then you know even when i told him i was just like worried as to like, oh my God, like, you know, what is he going to think of me? But he just, he, he, he like prayed for me and he was like, Olivia, I wouldn't have known. And, and I just, you know, respect you that much more. And, you know, like God loves you so much. Like just, you know, I really want you to know that. I was like, and he was like, you're worthy of his love. I'm like, absolutely. I didn't believe it at the time, but I, I am now. I believe it. Yeah. And if you had to, well, I guess first, mm. um, I would like to ask, like, are there aspects of Pastor Kim and Pastor Albert that you try to emulate now? Mm. And if so, what would be like one word to describe um, those aspects that you're trying to emulate? Uh, okay, so even just ha- seeing both of those role models, like serving in their ministry, they're very genuine and intentional but also the holistic approach of doing life together. Mm. Just because they, you know, held the pastor title, there wasn't really like, you know, like they were placed on a pedestal. It's like, oh my God, he's a Moksanim. Like, you know, we can't really hang out with him. But I felt like both pastors in my life, like they've really 
showed that it is doable. We can do life together and, you know, pretty much go, like witness each other's growth and faith, but also the life stages as we're getting older together. <laughs> um, that I think is so gem and key. Like I, yeah, I, I think, and also now serving in Bridges, it's, I'm also trying to reach out to the younger brothers and sisters that I probably normally wouldn't have spoken to mm-hmm. because in my mind, I was like, what would they, I mean, would they even want to talk to someone who's 10 plus years older than them? But I'm starting to find out that, oh my gosh, they've been waiting <laughs> for like an older sister to just reach out to them and just really like get to know them, like hang out. And, you know, I mean, not to say I'm going to like tell them how to li- live their life, not at all, but if at all, just kind of hearing sort of their struggles and their current life situation or what they've struggled with before. And then I in turn can just share sort of how I navigated certain situations and what not to do. <laughs> a lot of what not to do. Um, and so I think um, they've been very receptive to that, which I'm so grateful for. Um, and so, yeah, I think even with the vision of, I, I don't know if we're going to continue to call it upper bridges, but those of us 30s plus single folks in um, at, attending CCPC, I think, yeah, that that's, I think, one role that, you know, those of us who um, have a heart to do that is is to really connect with our younger brothers and sisters and just, you know, be there for them, be an ear, um, and for them to know that, oh, yeah, like, I, I can reach out to this, you know, older sister, brother to just, you know, feel, get the support or some advice and whatnot. Yeah. And I think that takes humility, which is mm. what I've been hearing regarding, you know, Pastor Kim and Pastor Albert mm. and what you're trying to emulate is that humility to be able to reach out to those who may not be in the same life stage as you, mm. who may you may not have been more prone to talk to and things like that, right? Yeah. And as someone who is uh, still a part of the, in quotes, younger bridges, <laughs> yeah. uh, lower bridges, um, yeah, I can for sure say for myself that mm. um, I do enjoy the times with the older brothers and sisters. Mm. And I do look forward to the time of that. So for all the older brothers and sisters listening (laughs) out there, feel free to reach out to us younger ones because we are always open and willing to meet with you guys. We don't take it for granted. We are grateful for it. So yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you so much for sharing, Olivia. All of this. Yeah. All of this was so great. You were so vulnerable. Um, I, I think- feel exposed. <laughs> I am truly exposed. Now, I seriously have nothing to hide. <laughs> truly. Now, my business is out there. But you know what? I know that even after sharing this, there are still going to be people who are going to judge me, which is fine. But I think the difference is now that because I'm, I've totally submitted my life to God, it's, it's going to be fine. And ultimately, if those people, if they're going to judge me, it's okay. We can talk about it. <laughs> you, If you have balls enough to come up and talk to me about it, let's talk about it. Yeah. Why you got to be judgy? Yeah. Make it an open conversation. Absolutely. Let's get to know each other. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and this is exactly what that is for. So Great. again, thank you so much. Thank you. thank you for sharing. And listeners of B-Sides, that's a wrap. All right. Peace out. <laughs>